Welcome to the Endless Wealth Podcast. I'm a mama of two little ones, owner of a multi seven-figure real estate portfolio, and I'm your host, Sarah Miskelly. My mission is to show ambitious, high-performing women in business how they can stop chasing money at work and start making passive cash flow and build wealth from real estate investing. Just be ready because with the right ideas and advice me and my phenomenal guests will share in each episode, you will see things differently than you ever thought possible. All right, let's get into this week's episode. Okay, so I am so excited for the conversation today. I am talking to Raki Dingra, the CEO of Mortgage Savvy. She's also a very close friend, so this is an extra special episode. And her mission is to combine mortgage services with financial education and coaching, providing her clients with confidence and ease in navigating the real estate world. Mortgage Savvy has a special focus in empowering young women to build successful businesses and create lives driven by credibility and impact. Inspired by Rocky's financial experience, she aims to break glass ceilings and empower the next generation of women in business, believing that even small-scale impact matters, as influencing just five individuals to then impact another five can create a powerful ripple effect. With a dedication to supporting clients from all backgrounds, Mortgage Savvy particularly focuses on empowering women navigating divorce or separation, providing them with guidance to make informed, non-emotional financial decisions and embrace their next chapter with confidence. Raki, amazing. Like I said, I am so excited to talk with you today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And I'm just as excited. Um, yeah. I valued your contribution to me building my business. Um, I would love to touch on that as well. But thank you so much for having me here today. Awesome. And a little background. So Rocky and I, when I was a realtor, we would host these amazing seminars. Like we just collaborated so well. We knew how to fill a room. We knew how to really like work with clients. And it was just such an enriching experience. And as I transitioned from real estate sales into investing full time, Rocky was always top of mind as an expert. And especially because of the big business she built, which I've now know you're kind of transitioning to us as well, which is amazing. There's just so many synergies here. And I really wanted to have a conversation with you today because you bring so much value to the table in terms of actual the facts of things in terms of mortgages and interest rates. But then really like, you know, talking a little bit more about your passive investing background as well. I know you've always been an investor too. So, so many things that we can impact, but I would love to just get started with you and, you know, talk to me a little bit more about your business and your industry and what you're really seeing is happening right now. For sure. So there hasn't been a dull moment in the mortgage industry. We've had rates go up, we had rates come down, and now we're sort of in a volatile rate environment where there is, you know, a level of anxiousness and uncertainty with a number of sort of consumers that are holding mortgages, which is understandable. And I think that's where the coaching and support really comes in. I think consumers have understood that having a strategic advisor is key to managing your mortgage. Your home is usually your largest asset, but your mortgage is also your largest liability. And it's so important to have the knowledge and the know-how, and we all get really busy in what we do day to day. And it's nice to have somebody else that's a strategic advisor that's you know well sort of versed in what is happening or to the best of their ability to help you navigate. And I think that is key. So much of our time has been spent in sort of the coaching and support we've seen right now. We know rates are on the rise. Um, However, we also, as real estate investors, understand sort of the long-term sort of focus with real estate that's needed. 
And that it's important to really be aware of our numbers and rejig our budget to ensure that we're able to continue and meet our obligations as well. Great. And you bring up some really good points. I'm also seeing that people are looking for more support and we're not in that unicorn market anymore, right? We experienced that, you know, for a number of years and it seemed like everything was easy. And now people are really seeing, no, like there are other challenges. There's other things to navigate. And when we're aligning ourselves with people to make investment decisions, not everything is just going stratospherically in one direction up, right? We need to make sure that we're being very, very diligent in the support that we're getting. And I know that is something that you're really leaning into. So, you know, with your clients right now, with with all the conversations, we'll just address them, the interest rate increases in Canada and the States. What are those main concerns and considerations people are bringing to you that you're really able to, you know, give them a fresh perspective and, and solve in this environment? I think we've seen strong appreciation over the years in the, in the real estate, in the Canadian real estate market. And I do believe that a number of households had just become accustomed to living beyond their means and relying on that equity that they had built within their property to continue to sort of sustain and help them continue to live their lifestyle. And I think this adjustment in the market has now forced households to really step back and look at where they're spending their their income, really take a focus on also understanding that in order to continue a certain standard of life, they need to have additional sources of income. So I think the perspective, and that's been a, a massive shift. So what we do with clients now is the moment a client comes to us is what we're doing is an analysis of where they're spending their money. And then looking at what they need to sustain a lifestyle that they want to live and what they want their future to look like. And I think that's very different than most brokerages. And I think that's where we provide a sort of unique value add. We're really looking to help them build a life by financial design. When I say it, it sounds like a sales pitch, but it's really not. I've done it for myself. And I am grateful that I had the time, the ability, and the support to build it out for myself. And now it's nice to be able to do that for others. And it really is taking that time to do that analysis, to provide that coaching and support. And that then leads to a new conversation. Does it make sense to invest? Where? What are some additional alternative options to investment as well that bring in that additional income over time to support that lifestyle? Yes, I love that. I, it really sounds like when people are coming to you, they're not just being like, okay, this is the interest rate. This is the mortgage you can get. And I know, I think I was talking to um, somebody who mentioned that when they came to you, there was deals that were brought to you and it just, it didn't actually make financial sense for the individuals to purchase the property. And I think that's, that's the challenge when people are looking for service providers. There's the churn and burn service provider who's like, let's just get the deal done and move on. And then there's their service providers who are looking for that long-term relationship where they're building a financial strategy that, that really goes beyond purchasing that one asset. Because like you said, people can't just rely on, well, first and foremost, as Robert Kiyosaki says, like your house is not, you know, is not an investment. You need to really be having that passive cash flow. But even when you do purchase that asset, making sure that you can even afford it, let's be honest, right? right? And that's the challenge that it seems like you're seeing with people is they're getting in these positions where, where they can't afford it. Um, so you touched on creating those multiple sources of income. So, you know, when you have clients come to you, what what are those ways that people can really start to generate more money, maybe passively, because we all know we're working, you know, not nine to five anymore. People are working eight to eight. Um, and they're really looking for ways to build wealth, but but it's hard when you're on that hamster wheel. So what are some successful strategies that you've implemented and you recommend your clients to implement? 
For sure. And I'm happy to share some of my personal sort of success stories. Um, when I purchased my first property, and I, I go back to this in 2008, I closed on it in 2010. So 2008, subprime mortgage crisis, rates were on the rise, you know, very similar to the market we were seeing a few months ago, but I saw that as opportunity. I was able to come into the market. I took a long-term focus and bought my forever home. My thoughts were the faster I can get into my long-term property, the longer sort of I'd have to really focus on building a life that would reflect my day-to-day in terms of me living a life that allowed me to travel, be more present for my daughter as well. So my focus was to think long-term. What people forget is that there are costs associated with buying and selling as well. So the faster we can get you into your long-term property, the faster we can start focusing on a financial strategy to help you be mortgage-free and also create an investment strategy for you as well. So myself, 2010, I move into my first property. In the first three years, what I had realized is I had built more wealth in my property in equity than I had in 10 years of working and saving. So that to me was sort of a moment where I then decided I was going to go and get licensed in mortgages. I was going to understand how to build my own sort of wealth building strategy through real estate. And what I did is I went ahead and bought my first two investments. I leveraged the equity, which is a little scary for some but I knew this was gonna work for me in the long run. I rented those two properties. Now, please know sometimes, and I think it's expected as an investor, I think there needs to be an understanding that there is a cost associated with you know, being an investor and understanding that when we are looking to invest, that there might be a period of a shortfall. And what I mean by that is an additional sort of out-of-pocket expense that is going to, in the long-term, support my long-term sort of financial goals. So I was running a little bit of a deficit, had to contribute a little bit out of pocket, rented these two properties. Within two to three years of owning those investments, now that three property model, I was then able to refinance those properties and pay off my home. Wow, yeah, and when you say it, it sounds so simple. Like it, it really does, is, that, but, it, but it is at some level, right? It like, truly yeah. is. It truly is. There was also that element of accelerating my payments, moving to self-employment, working on a structure where I had a clear understanding of what I needed to earn to support the lifestyle I wanted to live. And mm-hmm. it's, what I find shocking is when I engage in these conversations and run that sort of assessment, 99% of my clients are unaware of what that number is. Yeah, it's it's so fascinating because you and I, we both are in these conversations at some level, right? Like I grew up in real estate. I understand the idea of taking equity out of your home, reinvesting it in other things. But some people don't even know they can do that first and foremost. And then just the the mindset, the barrier of feeling like, oh my gosh, I this is too scary. I can't do it. I find that to be a hindrance. But what you're doing is you're using the reality of numbers, right? The facts of the matter and saying like, look, we can take these numbers, make it work. This is how much it's going to cost you. These are how much your payments are. It does that work for you? And once people can see those numbers, they then understand. Okay, this is this is actually possible. This is how much it'll cost you per month, and 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 the the kind of uh, empire gets built in a sense. So, do you find when a lot of people come to you and they're not aware of that strategy, they're then moving into that that bigger mindset of looking at what's possible really with real estate, not just that first home. Absolutely. And I think that's what has built advocacy. And that is why mortgage savvy is in existence. My goal was to help one family a month. But when you're able to empower a family to 
start living that life, for them to feel empowered with this knowledge and know-how, leverage is no longer seen as debt, but as opportunity to build wealth. And that is the real shift. And it doesn't necessarily always mean property acquisition. What I've also found is for individuals that have come to me sort of at a later stage in life um, that are now looking at their retirement strategy and their pension income isn't necessarily what they needed to be to live that life that they had envisioned. They had worked, they've worked so hard for the last 25 to 30 years. And now they're in a standpoint where they weren't effectively structured to plan. And so what we've also found is that investing in syndicated mortgages allows them, there's an element of risk in anything, but providing them with the sound education, the partners, there's the ability to now take that savings that they've built over time, leverage it in a way where it's still secure or as secure as we can position it to then yield a return that's going to help them supplement their pension income to live a life that's in line with what you know, lifestyle goals are as well. So I found there was an element of that. And personally, that is something I've done. You know, I've taken that element of investing in real estate. I've built a real estate portfolio over the years. There is also that element where I've invested in syndicated mortgages, which has given me a monthly return that helps me subsidize sort of my monthly carrying costs. Being a self-employed individual, I think we always need to look 10 steps ahead, ensure that we're planning for sort of, you know, fluctuations in the market. And this applies to any industry across the board. So I think it's important to really focus on ensuring that you're developing multiple streams of income. And when we hear this, it becomes overwhelming because we are capped in terms of the amount of time we have. We're all working more than I think we ever have. So we, our mind automatically defaults to, well, I don't have more time. And, and that's relevant and valid. But providing individuals with the education and letting them know you can continue to do what you're doing and we continue to ensure that we're structuring things in a way where we're, we are able to bring in that additional sort of income to help you support. And, and that does create a sort of a better quality of life overall. And I think that's the reward that I feel is when clients are happier, healthier, <laughs> more sort of connected to their families and feeling like they are actually able to attain their goals. I think that's the real reward here for me. Okay. And like, I love it. <laughs> I could go on about this with you forever. Cause you know, it's really cool. It's like everybody's a different season of life. I used to look at my mom and I'd be like, Oh, you know, mom, why don't you do stuff that's more aggressive? Like, come on, let's go do it. Let's make like 25% returns. Let's go buy some properties. And she was always like, no, like she just didn't, it wasn't in her. And I was like, I was younger than I was maybe like 18 or 20. I mean, I don't know. I was already talking about real estate back then. Clearly I, I was can like, let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> But um, she, we just had such a disconnect and it was really in my, my, my youth, you know, my naivety and my lack of wisdom at that level. But I was always pushing her to do things that she just wasn't there at that time because she was in that space of, I need to be retired. I need to worry about my pension, which unfortunately the reality is for a lot of people, like it just doesn't support them. And it actually kind of pisses me off when if, if that's another conversation about how we're not taught this and we're not really set up for success in terms of the, the normal structures, right? Like you had to self-educate, I had to self-educate. You do have to take those extra steps to find these type of deals, like the mortgage syndications, like the apartment syndications, like a lot of the deals that we, us women are participating in now. Um, but it's really the stages of life, those different opportunities. So I know you were mentioning one thing that you're passionate about is, you know, women in divorce. And, you know, I get it, honestly, I've been doing a lot of research on women as well, the different areas where they're looking for wealth information, they're looking for investing advice. And it has such different metrics 
than what what men are looking for when they're looking for investing advice, all those kind of um, ideas of it. So for you, what is that that woman looking for in that stage of life in terms of support financially? It's very similar to me looking in the mirror four years ago when I went through the same. Mm-hmm. Having been there, I do have an understanding of those fears, that insecurity and that uncertainty. And also this drive, desire and strength to not let my daughter down, right? I think that was really the push for me. That's what brought that confidence in. Um, I built this real estate portfolio, but in partnership, things had shifted now. I didn't have anybody to lean back on for support. I was solely responsible for myself 100%. And that is a very sort of scary place to be. There is that level of uncertainty. It requires additional planning, being a little bit more aware of providing that sense of security, being a little bit more, you know, risk averse on some of the investments that I was willing to take on as well. I'd gone through a shift. So having been there, what I realized is at that point in time, I had to open my mind to additional investment strategies. I had to, again, up my skill set. I was doing it for myself. And Thank God I did. (laughs) And I was fortunate enough to be in the right space, surrounded by the right people. Again, we learn through actually actioning these ideas. We've both learned from actually putting ourselves in a situation where we're doing it for ourselves. And that arms us with this knowledge where we're then empowered because we can share it with another. And then we see sort of that same sort of reward or that same sort of, you know, output that comes with it. And that empowers us to go and educate others. And I think that's what I did. I had seen a shift. You know, I'm going to be quite honest in in saying that divorces are messy. And with that usually comes some sort of financial repercussions. And I went through it. I was over leveraged at a time because I'd gone through a period of, you know, there's that tug of war. There's that reassignment. And I think my situation was as amicable as it could be. But finances can make things messy. So understanding which properties made sense to keep, which properties made sense to offload. You know, was I going to take some of this additional sort of savings or sort of investment funds that I had screwed in and and sort of redirect it to something that was going to be able to provide me with a little bit more security? I was now also solely running a household on my own. I was limited in terms of the amount of time I typically had in a day. I now have to do drop-off, pick-up. I'm solely responsible for extracurricular activities. I went through a little bit of a lifestyle shift, meaning I needed more time. However, I wasn't going to settle for a shift in our lifestyle because my daughter and I had both become accustomed to a certain way of living. And I think my key consideration was that I wasn't going to change my surroundings. I was going to keep my primary residence. It's funny, I had a conversation this morning where, you know, it was an individual that had, you know, in the in the real estate industry that realized that I had gone through this. And the first thing is, where are you living now? And my response was, well, nothing's really changed. I continue to level up at, a, you know, in by making some smart sort of investment decisions where I could bring in some additional sources of of income monthly to be able to sustain my lifestyle. So it was interesting how that was the response. And I find that 99% of the time, there is that sort of assumption that that's going to be sort of the next step. And it doesn't necessarily need to be. And you can arm people with that knowledge and know-how in being able to take the same steps that they need to, to kind of keep things the status quo. Because as mothers, I know that what I try to provide my child with is consistency and stability above all. 
Yeah. And, you know, it's funny, Rocky, because we were working together, I think, at that time. Like I was, you know, you were mortgaging and I was real estating. And, you know, I wouldn't have known because you're so poised and you're always professional. And it really demonstrates how, you know, you can really be dealing with something, but your skill set and in really presenting yourself in a way that, it's not affecting you on the outside, but internally, there's so many struggles that go in. And, and the biggest thing for you, and I can understand it as a mom as well, is you want to make sure that there's as little change for your child as possible. And that does, you know, depend at some level, let's be honest, with with money, you know, it's going to be one of those definitive factors and what kind of lifestyle you're able to provide. So thank you for sharing that because I know it's not always easy, but it's stories like that that really help women going through a similar position to reach out to you and feel comfortable sharing because that's the challenge. It's very challenging for women going through divorce to go to some, you know, old white man mortgage broker and be like, this is what I'm dealing with. Like, can you help me rearrange and restructure my finances? That doesn't feel comfortable, right? So we need more voices like you to be able to welcome somebody in and support them through those changes. So I'm, I'm very happy to hear that things are going well for you now <laughs> in the sense that you are able to just build on it, right. And continue to build out this massive business, which I definitely want to talk on, you know, the changes you're seeing We're we're both Canadian, we're in the Canadian market. We also work in the States, but things are changing in terms of where people are buying and the opportunities they're seeing that are available to them. So if you can share a little bit about what you're seeing people are looking for in terms of their investment opportunities um, and where you're directing clients these days. For sure. So with my transition over the four years, uh, what I've also realized is that I'm very clear on what I want life to look like um, in terms of retirement, in terms of quality of life and balance. And I think we're all going through that. And also, from a lending perspective, continuing to acquire investment properties in Canada with current lending guidelines can be challenging. And this is coming from a mortgage broker. There are challenges. So being able to offer our clients additional opportunities. And Florida has been a state that I've personally invested in and am working towards being licensed in in mortgages. But we can absolutely affect it today offer client solutions where they now have the ability to go across the border and invest in a property that they can for a portion of the year choose to live in and for a portion of the year have it actually serve as an investment to generate additional wealth. And we're seeing that. We're seeing borders disappear. We're seeing individuals really focus on quality of life, the warmer climates, the opportunity to travel, but also have an investment that's working for them from a numbers perspective. So definitely something that we are continuing to see. We're also seeing borders disappear in other in other areas. We're seeing individuals, you know, invest in opportunities in the Caribbean as well. So I think that in general, there are more opportunities today than have ever existed. And I think it's also key to educate clients and advising them that there are actually products out there that can help them secure a mortgage cross-border. And it isn't as difficult as they may have assumed. So getting the education, understanding what's required in terms of down payment. So if you're sitting with a line of credit or you're save, sitting with some additional funds and you're limited in terms of what you can qualify for here, there might be opportunity across the border to, again, have that money work for you and grow and bring in additional source of income, but also help you structure sort of a from a lifestyle perspective where you may end up retiring or want to be. It's great because people are totally not down for Canada anymore. 
in the nicest way possible. But it's funny because it happened to me too. I'm like such a cliche, but you know, we were here, you know, in Canada and then COVID hit and we went down to Argentina. We were in Belize for a bit and we also spent time in Florida as well. And I think a lot of Canadians are seeing, and we I see it with younger people now, they look, okay, I can work on my computer. Do I really need to be in the cold winter for all these months? And places like Florida seem like, they seem to just offer a lot of a lot of opportunities. You still have kind of the lifestyle of a city like Toronto, a big urban environment, but you have warmer weather, a beach, and some palm trees. And like you said, people could then use that property as an investment for now, rent it out, either short-term rental or maybe a long-term rental, and then use it as, you know, a home they could actually travel to because it's what, like a, like a three, like a very short flight, <laughs> three hour flight. It's just a hop right over. The flights aren't that expensive either. So the reality of that possibility, like you said, borders are disappearing. And I think once again, it's that mindset shift to what is possible. I know for myself, I'm now investing in us apartment buildings and bringing on investment partners to bring on onto those apartment buildings as well, because people just aren't as inclined towards investing in their backyard. It's just not a necessity anymore. So in terms of the kind of person that takes these kinds of opportunities, who would you say that ideal client is to become a U.S. investor? (laughs) So surprisingly enough, it's anybody that has that additional sort of nest, that line of credit or that additional savings in a bank account that is looking to do something that has longevity, that supports lifestyle. It's really open to anybody. If you're looking to retire and you're starting to build out that strategy and you're, you're, you know, that sort of a five to 10 year horizon, now is your time. If you're someone in your twenties that absolutely loves to golf and is a professional that has built some sort of equity in their current property, this might be a great opportunity to look at leveraging that towards an investment south of the border. I think this opportunity is really open to anybody. And I think that's what really excited me about the opportunity of, of sort of moving, you know, my business and really looking at expanding into the state of Florida was for that same reason, because I think this is really something that can be lucrative to anybody. What's also interesting is that I did work on a couple of transactions where, you know, individuals are able to purchase properties sight unseen simply based on capital rates. We made it completely contingent on the return on the investment. And that's an opportunity as well that removes the emotion. This is strictly an income generating and and sort of a financial investment decision. So there are lots of opportunities to, to many across the board. That's perfect. And I think that removal of the emotions is so critical. Uh, And that's the benefit with some of these assets is it's not based on what your neighbor's house sold for or the house down the street, like in residential real estate. It's like, okay, well, how much income is coming in from this property? And that determines the value. And I think not everybody knows that, right? That it can be totally based on the metrics and the numbers. So that is really, really helpful that you share that. And, you know, for you right now, tell us now who you're working with, where clients can find you uh, and, and who you're looking to support right now in your business. So we're looking for clients that are looking for coaching and support. We're not transactional. We're really here as strategic advisors to help clients sort of assess where they're sitting. And there's no shame in it. Sometimes we just need somebody to sort of sit with us, you know, hold our hand and sort of decipher what what is in front of us. And it's our job to help you identify opportunities and bring those opportunities to you. So please, you know, for clients that are just looking to stay, you know, sort of on top of what's happening in the mortgage market and these investment opportunities, they can follow us on Instagram and Mortgage Savvy. 
Also, we can be reached. I'm not sure if we're going to be in closing through the contact details below, but feel free to email me or call me directly. I'm always available to support. And I do think that there are multiple opportunities. Sarah, you and I are blessed. We've had sort of the good fortune of actually getting out there and, and sort of practicing what we are hoping to empower clients with today. So anybody that's looking to invest, you know, in the Caribbean or, or in Florida or, or, you know, almost anywhere in the world, you'd be surprised we have opportunity or we have the right sort of sort of partnerships available to help clients sort of take that next step. Yes, I know Rocky for sure. If she can't help you, she's going to find a person to help you. <laughs> That's just how you operate. Um, but yeah, we'll make sure to get your contact information in the show as well. And Rocky, thank you so much for talking to me today. I could talk to you forever about mortgages and all the things, but I know we're always in partnership and looking for ways that we can support women uh, and everybody in general. But I know we both have a sweet spot for just helping women to really expand themselves financially and just figure out ways to build their wealth. So thank you so much for um, you know taking the time to talk with me today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And it's always a pleasure. I adore you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Awesome. We'll talk soon. Okay. Okay. Thank you for tuning into the Endless Wealth Podcast. If you got value from this week's episode, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It truly means so much to me to be able to get this information out to more hardworking women like you. Are you a mom in business that wants to learn about alternative investments like self-storage, oil and gas, ATMs, and their huge benefits? Then you'll definitely want to attend the Moms Alternative Investing Summit on September 21 and 22. It's completely free, so bring a friend, virtual as well. Go to momsinvestsummit.com to register. The expert guests will blow your algorithm on what's possible in investing. I am so excited to have you.